God calls his word, or Jesus says the word of God is like bread. Or he says man can't live like bread on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just because, just like you wouldn't, you can't survive without eating every day. Spiritually, which is much more important than your physical health. I know that seems hard to believe, but that is the truth. You can't survive without God's word, or you can't be healthy. And so you need God's word. And once you have it, go ahead and turn to Acts 19. We're going to continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. And let me ask you a question before we get into the the section today. How many guys feel like life's hard? I purposely try to ask you questions that I know the answer to because it prepares you, prepares the soil for what we're going to talk about. But, I mean, I think we can all agree with that, right? I mean, obviously there's times where it feels like it's easier than others, but life in general is hard. And, and there's attributes that are hard. Parenting's hard. Marriage can be hard. Work can be hard. Um, you know, ministry can be hard. Life in general, just with all the responsibilities, just, you know, I'm at this phase in life where we've got four boys and they're all very active and we're shuttling them around to activities constantly amongst everything else in life. And it's just busy and, and it's overwhelming at times. And Jesus was really honest with us that life was going to be hard, right? I think that's, if, if you've ever heard for some reason that you become a Christian, everything's supposed to be easy, that was a lie. And that's not what God's word says. Jesus said you'd have tribulation. I mean, he didn't sugarcoat it. He said this life is going to be hard, but we take heart because he's he's overcome. We, we can be cur- courageous or we can have courage. We can be encouraged in the fact that he's overcome this world. In a sense, he saved us out of this world and we're no longer a part of this kingdom. We're a part of God's kingdom, which has different rules to play by. In a sense, we have promises that uh, we're operating under. And we know that one day we will be saved out of this world and to go to be with Jesus. And it won't be hard anymore, all right? That's a, a condition of the fallenness of mankind, that, that sins in this world, okay? But having said that, what makes it even seem more difficult is because a lot of the time, and all of us start out this way, when our relationship because of our sin in our lives breaks our fellowship with God, we all start out and we all have this tendency to try to live life alone or do things on our own. And the reality is you were made to have a relationship with God for, and one of the benefits of that is that you're not meant to do anything alone. God knew perfectly well when you were born that you would be insufficient to do even the simplest of daily tasks in your life by yourself because he knew that that would in essence push you to looking for help ultimately hopefully to go to him because where you're insufficient he is more than sufficient and so when we try to do things on our own which again we have this tendency you know first and foremost pull up our bootstraps especially here in america just get it done do it yourself often what that usually leaves you fear feeling is weary and tired and discouraged Often me having to get to that point before I even realize that I'm trying to do things on my own. Or it can leave us feeling kind of like distant from God, even though he's there. Like, like, why is my life, my, my, my relationship with God feels so dry, feels like he's not here. I'm not seeing him work in my life because again, I'm not involving him as I'm supposed to. And the reason I'm kind of, you know, talking about this stuff is because in today's section of scripture, we're going to see and talk about the means 
that he intends to be intricately involved in your life, intimately involved in your life, like in, in every single aspect, every single thing in your life. Nothing's to be withheld from him. He wants to be involved in all of it. And basically so that, you know, as I pointed out earlier, all those things that you can't do on your own, you are able to do with him. And then because he's the one doing it, you're able to see him in his glory. When we talk about glorifying God, it's so that you can see him and be encouraged knowing that he's there. And then others can see him and know them and have a relationship with him like you do, okay? But you got to rely on him to do that. And that's what we're going to spend time talking about today. So just recap, we finished up Acts 18, saw this guy, last week saw this guy, uh, Apollos, he comes on the scene, he goes to Ephesus. If you guys remember, he's in the synagogues, he's um, preaching about Jesus, but he's not preaching the whole gospel. In essence, he had only learned what John the Baptist had told him. And so Priscilla and Aquila, these other Christians, they're there, they witness this, they pull him aside, they fill in the blanks, teach him what he didn't know. And then he he receives it and he goes on um, to Corinth where he's using this better understanding, this full understanding of the gospel to be used by God to encourage the believers there. And so that's where we left off and we're going to pick it up in Acts 19 and we're going to go through the first seven verses. So let me read it. We'll pray one more time and then we'll break it down. It says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Lord God, what an awesome piece of scripture where we can see the necessity of the Holy Spirit being a part of our lives. How even in these believers who were disciples, as you call, as Paul calls them, Christians, but were missing something to such degree that Paul noticed, hey, you guys don't appear to be have the Holy Spirit. You guys don't appear you appear to be lacking something that the Holy Spirit can give you. And Lord, so often in my life, probably in my brothers and sisters' lives too, I would imagine we we feel we're lacking stuff. And we think we need this or we think we need this situation to work out our way. But really what we need is just more of you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, may this be an opportunity for us to become even more reliant on you in our lives. Not look to other people or other things, but just look to you knowing that you want to be involved in every aspect of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So verse one says it, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, like we saw last chapter, he went to Corinth. Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. This is where Apollos had just come from. And there he found some disciples or some Christians. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul, if you remember Acts 18, 
He had told them before he went back to Antioch to, to give an update of his second missionary journey with his home church. He said, if the Lord wills, I'll come back to you. So the Lord willed. He ended up coming back to Ephesus. And he comes upon a group of <clears throat> what he calls disciples, disciples of Jesus, basically followers of Jesus or those he recognized as Christians, <clears throat> but that had something not right about them or something noticeably missing that prompted him to ask them had they received the Holy Spirit when they believed. And that reply shows that like Apollos, it would appear that these disciples had enough of an understanding of Jesus Christ to be saved, or at least, you know, by Paul's perception, they were saved, they were disciples, but that they still had things to learn. In essence, they had no understanding of the Holy Spirit. That's what they said. They said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. So they didn't know everything they needed to know. <clears throat> Excuse me. And just to make sure, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> I'm dealing with allergies. All right. Hopefully there won't be too much of that. Um, have anyone else's allergies been really bad? I keep hearing that. Like, usually, this year has just been miserable for me. All right. Now, just to make sure we understand what Paul is questioning them about here, it would not appear that he's questioning them about their salvation, okay? Because again, he calls them disciples, all right? And as such, it would appear that he believed in calling them disciples that the Holy Spirit was in them, okay? In them, and we'll talk about this in a little second, but Paul himself says in Romans 8 9 about Christians, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Okay? Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you placed your faith in Jesus, you have the spirit of God living in you. And just as a refresher to make sure we all know this, we've gone through this a couple times going through the book of Acts because there's a lot of the Holy Spirit talking. But there's three different relationships that a person has with the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're hearing this for the first time, and this is good, because this, this is important to understand when you see these different relationships throughout Scripture. The first relationship is the Holy Spirit is with you before you are saved. Okay? John 14, 16 through 17. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or helper, that's something else the Holy Spirit's referred to, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. That's one of the, the ministries of the Holy Spirit, to teach you truth and God's word and to convict you that it's truth, that this is right and this is good. He goes on to say, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you, okay? So this is pre-Jesus dying on the cross and paying the price for the sins of mankind to make them right with God so that his Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, one of the parts of our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that God, he says it indwells in you when you believe in Jesus. Basically, his presence comes to live in you. Back then, in the Old Testament, they had a temple where God's presence was supposed to reside because the people weren't made perfect through the blood of Jesus. But after Jesus died, the Holy Spirit 
comes to live in you. You have God's presence inside of you, okay? But before you're saved, before you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with you, convicting you of your need for Jesus. That voice that was in your head before you got saved that said when you were hearing somebody talk to you about Jesus or teaching the word of God to you and you're just like, something's telling me I need to listen. Something is telling me that I need this Jesus in my life. Something is telling me this is the way to God. That's the Holy Spirit. Because if you didn't have the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't even know your need for God. Because Romans tells us or Paul tells us in Romans, there's no one who seeks God. We're all evil. We seek ourselves. We don't seek God. So God in his grace, God in his love for you comes to get you and draw you to himself. All right. But the Holy Spirit couldn't be in the disciples, like I said, until Jesus came and died on that cross, paid the price for their sins so that through believing that they could be forgiven and made right with God, justified just as if they had no sin, like the Bible says, And then because you're right with God, because you don't have sin in your life, not that you're not guilty of sin, but because because you still do sin, but because Jesus's blood has paid for that sin. So in God's eyes, even though you're a work in progress here on this earth, you're very much as right as you could ever be. And then God can have a relationship with you. And that leads to the second relationship. The Holy Spirit is in us upon salvation. And what we see is after Jesus is, rises from the dead and he appears to his disciples, he says in John twenty twenty two, he says, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This was after, after he paid the price for their sins, they received the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit was in them. Paul also tells us in Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. How many of you guys are thankful for God in your life? That's evidence of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what it says so that you would praise and glorify him. You wouldn't have that thanks if the Holy Spirit wasn't in there producing that heart of gratitude. Amen? Amen. All right, so the Holy Spirit is with us before we're saved, drawing us to God. And then when we respond, we recognize our need for Jesus, we repent of our sin, the Holy Spirit comes into you. And here's the, and now the third and last relationship, which is what I believe Paul's getting at in this text, is that the Holy Spirit comes upon us or fills us to, in a sense, empower us to accomplish God's work and will in our lives. And this is something that happens throughout your entire relationship with Jesus because God has always wanted to work in you and through you, okay? And this is, we see Jesus first talk about this in Acts 1. If you guys weren't here when we went through that, you can go back and listen to the teachings and I'll talk It's in more detail, but in Acts 1, before he ascends up to heaven, one of the last, the, the last command he gives to the disciples in Acts 1, 4 through 5 is he says, um, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in a couple of verses later in Acts 1, 
Acts 1.8, Jesus tells them that basically that they would be, um, the Holy Spirit would come upon them and then they would be witnesses to the world, to all ends of the earth, basically. He has like an order like Jerusalem, Samaria, and then all ends of the earth. But he says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then we see it happen in Acts 2.4 where it says the disciples are gathered together and the Holy Spirit, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like a visual thing with them, like in that instance where like tongues of fire were over their heads. And they start speaking in tongues and all these people that were there uh, in Jerusalem at Pentecost were like, 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 like they recognize the languages and they get to preach the gospel and all these people get saved. But in essence, you see those three things, kind of those terminologies, baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon, the Holy Spirit filling being used. And what Jesus said was, don't go do anything until this happens because you won't be able to do anything. All right. And that still goes with us. You cannot do anything in life well. You can try, but you can't do it well without God's help. And that help came through the Holy Spirit. And some people disagree like on what Jesus was meaning here, thinking that it was the same thing as the Holy Spirit coming in them. But I would beg to differ because obviously Jesus is talking about a different experience because he's already told them that receive the Holy Spirit. And now he's saying, wait till the Holy Spirit, till you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, till you're filled. So he's talking about something different here. And the idea of baptize, just if you guys aren't familiar, we baptize um, somebody after they've believed in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said that you're to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, and what that is, is it's, it's symbolic. It's an act that we do to publicly proclaim our faith in Jesus. It's telling people what's already happened. Because the water, which is a, speaks of the Holy Spirit in God's word, basically you go under the water and it's like your old self when you place your faith in Jesus. It dies, it goes into the grave with him, and then the Holy Spirit regenerates you and you come out of the water new, a new creation in Christ, all right? That's what you're showing to the world when you do that. And so the idea of baptism is immersing yourself in something. So when he says you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, the idea is you're going to be immersed in God's Spirit. And it is what is going to enable you to do my will in your life, all right? And the thing I want to note too is that Jesus talks about it as a condition rather than a single experience. So it isn't so much of a question of whether you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. The way he talks about it is what you need to be concerned with is are you currently filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit? It being something, again, that's supposed to be happening all throughout your walk with the Lord is he's constantly wanting to work in in through you and it being possible apparently for someone to be a follower of jesus and not be filled with the holy spirit or not be baptized with the holy spirit is paul's questioning these disciples right here okay whether it be because you have a partial understanding of god's word like these guys did and you just have never heard this before what i need to be filled with the holy spirit i thought i had the holy spirit in me you do Christian, but are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you baptized? Are you, do you understand? And this is what gets me all the time. Like I said, I often don't realize this till I'm about ready to throw in the towel and I'm about to give up. But do you understand that you can't do anything in your life apart from God? 
Because like I said, we can all have this tendency to just kind of go about life and do things thinking we can handle it. And you can't. You were never meant to. And one of the greatest benefits of having your relationship with God is you don't have to anymore. You have God to help you with everything. To give you any guidance you're lacking. To empower you for anything you feel weak in or insufficient in. You have him for everything. But how you actively participate with him is you realize that. And you ask for his help. And the, the, the thing is, is that he's more than willing to help you when you ask. That's never a question. But you got to be humble enough to realize that you need his help. And then he can come in and help you as you ask, right? Like we're going to see with these believers in this text. So then it goes on. And it says in verse 3, And he said, into what then were you baptized? This is another reason why I think this is what John's, or this is what Paul's getting at, this baptism of the Holy Spirit being filled. Because he proceeds to ask him, then what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, Upon hearing these believers know nothing about the Holy Spirit, Paul proceeds to ask them, well, what did your baptism involve? And their response is they were baptized into John's baptism, meaning that similar to Apollos, like we saw last week, these guys only had an understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ to the extent of what John the Baptist had told them. So like Priscilla and Aquila, Paul proceeds to fill in the blanks, help them understand the whole entire good news of Jesus, his death and resurrection, Surely receiving the Holy Spirit and their need for the Holy Spirit to help them in life. And upon hearing the complete gospel of Jesus, they want to be baptized in his name, which again is in line with what Jesus tells us to do in Matthew 28, 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, three in one. Paul probably just wanting to help them understand that, hey, guys, because um, John's message was kind of like the Messiah's coming. And he's like, no, 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 he's already come. And you're saved if you believe in Jesus. And as a saved person, here's what you need to know. You can't do anything apart from him. You need to rely on him. John's baptism was a sign of somebody being repentant, whereas being baptized in Jesus' name is a sign that you have been regenerated. And you are a witness for Christ. Amen? Verse 6, and it says, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So after these disciples understood and had faith in Jesus fully, understood what Paul was telling them, they're baptized. Paul lays hands on them, which is symbolic or it speaks of praying for people in scripture. And so he prays, he lays hands on them, and the Holy Spirit, it says, comes upon them, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they instantly receive what the Bible calls gifts of the Spirit. And then some of them start speaking in tongues, or they praise God in other languages than they know, and prophesying. Those specific gifts, I want to spend a little bit on time on this, but like I've taught it more in detail in other teachings, I can point you to those if you want, but those gifts being some of the possible signs of the Holy Spirit coming upon people, but not the only signs. Because we see other examples in scripture where it says people are filled with the spirit or the Holy Spirit comes upon them and none of that happens. But what does happen is 
they go forward in power and they preach the word in such a way that tons of people get saved. Or they're, they go forward even though they're facing great persecution without any fear and boldness. Basically, they're able to do what they couldn't do in their own power in God's strength and power. And more times than not, if I'm being honest, that's how it looks in my life. And I encourage you guys because I think that there, there's been some bad teaching in the church that, or church, you know, I, I just say I disagree with in that you should see some visual sign if you receive the Holy Spirit or if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I would say more times than not, that's not how it is in my life because I'm called to walk by faith and not by sight. And I don't need to see anything to know that God will keep his word. And what he tells me in um, Luke 11, verse 11, is what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts for your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's what he says. If you need help, if you realize and you're humble enough to admit that you need God to help you with something and you need his Holy Spirit to do it, which is the way he does it, you need him to fill you so you can do whatever it is, handle whatever situation, he will do it. And I can believe that in faith and I don't need to see anything. And then what happens is that thing that seems so hard, all of a sudden doesn't seem so hard no more. Or that thing I was so afraid of and worried over, I'm not worried over it anymore. Or that thing that was discouraging me so bad, I'm all of a sudden not discouraged of it. Because instead of trying to handle or tackle that thing on my own, I'm putting God out there in front of me and going like, God help me, which he's more than willing to do. That's what it looks like to move in the Holy Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. And then you have those attributes the Bible tells us about, like love, peace, patience, self-control. Because you're not trying to handle it on your own. Amen? Now, having said that, there are times where God does other things. There are some tangible times where I, I do like, like, I like Jesus' example of being baptized because if I could explain the unexplainable, there are some times where I've prayed to receive the Holy Spirit and it feels like God is just covering me in his presence. And what it does is it, it, it produces this overwhelming feeling of worship and thanks. Very much what I, I suppose that it's like in heaven, because you see all those pictures or that all those descriptions of heaven where everyone's worshiping Jesus and they're just falling on their face. That's what it feels like. But we don't need to feel anything to know that God is going to keep his word. Amen. And I'd encourage you in remembering that. And uh, the worship team can come up here because I'm going to go a little longer, but you guys can make your way up here slowly because I want to end on this point and leave plenty of time to respond because the thing that stuck out to me on this is that, again, this lack of the Holy Spirit in their lives, it was noticeable, right? Paul noticed it. Maybe they looked tired. Maybe they looked worn out. Maybe they had a lack of excitement about their faith in Jesus and the things of God. Who knows? Whatever it was, it was noticeable. And I think it's good for us from time to time to look at our lives and say, our lives with Jesus, 
Because as a Christian, your life is Jesus's. That's, that's our life, everything. But to look at our lives and say, or ask ourselves, is there something noticeably missing that I should have according to God's word? Do I have joy or am I not joyful? Because that's something I should have if I'm walking in God's spirit. Am I at peace? Because that's a fruit of the spirit. Do I have self-control? Am I patient? Am I fearful? That's not a fruit of the spirit. So when you see these things, am I dry? Do I feel like a lack of excitement when I talk about the Lord? Or do I feel tired and burnt out? Do I feel heavy laden? Those are all signs that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That you're trying to do things on your own, trying to handle things your own, not relying on God. And I want to reiterate, it isn't because his spirit isn't in you. Don't doubt your salvation. The moment you believed, God's spirit came in you and it'll be there till you're with him. Because it's like I read earlier, that promise that he saved you and he's going to be with you. And he's going to see the work he's doing through to the end and finish it. Amen. So don't doubt that. But again, maybe you've never heard this. Maybe you've never heard that you need to be baptized with God's Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Or maybe you're in the boat that so many of us are in so often that can be all through your life. You're just trying to do things on your own. You haven't come to that realization or you need to come to that realization because you're struggling in that I need God to help me do what I can't do. I need him to help me parent my kids. I need him to help me in my marriage. I need him to help me in my job. I need him to help me in kids ministry. I need to, I need him. Maybe you're like Zerubbabel in Zechariah 4, 6, who was tasked with rebuilding the temple as the Israelites were coming back to the promised land. He was just overwhelmed because it was completely destroyed. And what was there before was magnificent. The temple Solomon had built and he's just discouraged. And God tells him, this is the word of the Lord for you, Zerubbabel, not by my might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Stop trying to think you're the one that's going to do this. I just told you what to do. I'm the one that's going to do it through you. Maybe that's the word for you. Not by your might, not by your power, but by the Holy Spirit. You don't ever have to wonder if God wants to help you always it's a matter of realizing that you need his help because what it tells us in second chronicles sixteen nine, the eyes of the lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him he's looking to help you at all times and one thing that i want to add here before we kind of go into this time of response is that even though you have the holy spirit the question we need to ask ourselves often is does the holy spirit have you okay because here's the thing like i read back there in acts the purpose of the spirit is to be help you be a witness for jesus it's not to just magically help you do whatever you want to do in life okay he is a person he is equal with god and he is there to help you do god's will so the key thing is It's not receiving God's Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit to do what I want. It's coming to God with a submitted and surrendered heart saying, I'm struggling with this thing, Lord. I need direction in this thing, Lord. I'm hurting, Lord. I need your help 
to be who you want me to be. I need your help to do your will. It's that submitted and surrendered heart. And that's how we partner with God. Because see, he's not going to force you to do anything. Just like he didn't force you to be saved. That had to be a choice as the Holy Spirit was drawing you to, to receive that gift of salvation. And it's the same with doing God's will in your life. I recognize my need for his help. I approach him with a submitted and surrendered heart and call out for it. And he's all, bang. Now, now you can do what I want you to do. Now you're going to see my glory. Now the work I want to do in you is going to be done. Now the work I want to do through you is going to be done. That's how it works. Let me give you an example of how I failed at this miserably yesterday. So it happens a lot. Work in progress. Hope it doesn't shock you guys just because I'm a pastor. But we had the privilege of hosting family at our house we have family living with us in our house, but we, we, we had even more family in our house this week. Had my, my wife's sister and her five children, eight and under, okay? Four of them girls. Pray for her. I don't know how she does it. I, I know nothing about estrogen. I have lots of testosterone in my house, but the, the, the emotions of little girls and I'm just like, it's crazy. <laughs> so foreign to me, but. All that to say is, our house was just like packed to the brim and it was fun for a while, but then yesterday I just found all the crying and all the, 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 the noise and I'm just like, I'm going to my room and I'm shutting the door. <laughs> Didn't help to really get away with it, but like I had, I had no patience. I had no self-control. I had no peace. All these fruits of the spirit, I was walking in anything but that. But the reason why, not because God didn't want to help me, because I'm called to be hospitable. I'm called to serve. I'm called. These are things God wants me to have no matter how what chaos is happening around me. But I wasn't submitted and surrendered to his will, what he wants. I was all about what Chris and what Chris's will wanted. Quiet, peace. Yeah. But that's what inhibited God from doing what he wanted to do through me. And so often that's what it is. It's as simple as that. If I would have just, all right, Lord, your will, not mine. I'm just going to, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to serve. I'm going to submit. If I, in faith, move forward in what God tells me, then he fills me with the spirit and enables me to do it. That's how we partner with God. That's how we allow him to do the work he wants in, in us. Amen. Amen. Yes. All right. So again, I just want to leave you guys with the same question that Paul asked these guys. Do you need to receive the Holy Spirit? Do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you in that place where you know, man, I am struggling with this thing. I don't have peace. I have fear. I'm hurting. I don't understand this. You have everything the opposite of what you know you should as a follower of Jesus. And you just, you understand I need, I need the Lord. I need him to help me. I need his spirit to fill me so I can be who he says he, that I'm, I, I am in this new life he's given me. So I can do the things that he wants me to do. And if you call out to him today and ask him with that submitted and surrendered heart, he'll do that for you. And I can almost guarantee you'll walk out of here with a different attitude, a sound mind. According to God's word, not your feelings, 
not the lies of the enemy, not the lies of your flesh. So what we're going to do is we're going to have an extended response time. I ended early, so we would. And we're going to have our prayer team around the room. And we're just going to do what we see in scripture here. We're going to provide the opportunity for you. If, if that's you, I'm going to encourage you in humility to acknowledge your need for God's help. And ask to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And we'll have our prayer team around the room. And they will be available to lay hands on you if you're comfortable with that. And pray with you to receive a spirit. Maybe you're somebody here today and you would say that I'm not a disciple. I'm not a follower of Jesus. I This is the first time I've heard this gospel or this is the first time the spirit's drawing you in that you're recognizing that, no, I, I that's what I'm looking for. I feel that in my life and I, I recognize I need God's help. And so I want to know Jesus. I, I, I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. You can come up too and we'll pray with you. We'll lead you in a prayer to do that. But what I would encourage you guys is don't miss out on this opportunity to ask God for help. You may have came in here struggling, as Jesus says, maybe heavy laden, burdened, because you're trying to carry the yoke or the weight of something that you were never meant to. And Jesus would say, take my yoke upon you. It's light and easy. And this is how he's given us the ability to do it, through his Holy Spirit that's inside of you. But you need to be filled. You need to humbly come before him and say, I can't do this my own. I'm trying to do it, Lord. I need your help. Whatever your will is, I just want you to come and help me. Amen? Don't miss out on the opportunity. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we're so thankful that you've given us your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm so sorry for every day when I try to do things on my own and I don't look to you for help. I don't look to rely on you. Sometimes I think it's just because, and maybe I'm not even doing this because I know that if I ask you for help in a sense that you might help me do something I don't want to do or I'm afraid to do in my own flesh or maybe I I think that there's a better way things can work out and I just want to try to manipulate them into that way. But Lord, that's just foolishness. You've given me no reason but to trust you in faith at your word. And your will is always good, pleasing, and perfect, as it says in Romans 12. So I had nothing to be worried of or fearful. I can 100%, with 100% confidence, just ask for your help and submit everything to you and let you lead me into it. Knowing that it's going to be good. Lord, we, I am foolish for trying to do things on my own, and I'm sorry, and Lord... As we come before you right now, I just pray you'd meet every person here, every person that is humble enough to call out for help. If you want to have some visible manifestations of your spirit, Lord, we're open to that. If you just want us to believe in faith and leave here walking in those fruits of the spirit that we see there in Galatians 5, in that love and that peace and that joy that patience that self-control or we want to we want to live in that we know that's your intent for us to be in those things all the time you've freed us from the bondage of our flesh and we want to surrender ourselves as paul says as a living sacrifice so we can be led by you into your good pleasing and perfect will so meet your people today wherever they're at in jesus name amen